Morning, brother. If you will, let's turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, as you're turning there, uh, Sarah is in Texas, and she's got a new grandson and was able to hold him here the last day or two and visit with her son and her grandson. So the Lord will be with them and be with that child. Exodus 2. I normally go with, for the first message, whatever I think will be shortest. <laughs> That's what me and Brother Stoniker does the say. It's a, for the Bible study, I, mean, I can articulate the difference, but it's preaching. And uh, I normally give whichever one's shorter. I think will be shorter first. But when they go together, I think they're... It just flows right, and then I have an inclination sometimes before I stand up, like, no, I'm going to give that second one first. I just tore all to pieces all the time. But I pray the order of this will be a blessing to you to get this first message first, and then let's, if the Lord will be pleased to teach us through it and the second one in that order. Here in Exodus chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 11. We remember that Moses wrote of Christ, and we looked last week at his birth and his mother's faith and the compassion that was on him and the providence that the Lord commanded that he be brought into Pharaoh's house and his mother be the wet nurse, his sister to watch this. Just beautiful, wasn't it? Well, verse 11, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, 39 years took place. And he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. And he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way. And when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. And he said unto him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them, and watered their flock. And when they came to rule their father, he said, How is it that you are come so soon today. And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, Where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah, his daughter, and she bare him a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. We looked at this beginning of Exodus last week, and Moses' life is 
pretty well broke up into three sections. It was the first 40 years. He was born, and scriptures say he was so well educated. Uh, the king <laughs> oversaw his education. I had children, and I ain't much of nothing, and, and we spent a boatload of money on our children's education when we homeschooled them a lot. Uh, I couldn't imagine. With all the kingdom at your disposal, the finest teachers. He was well-versed and well-respected. But those first 40 years took place. Somewhere through there, his sister, his mother, told him, uh, you're not an Egyptian. It was obvious by looking at him or his height or whatever it was. And something told him, and he said, "This is these Hebrews are my brethren. He didn't yet know the Lord. The Lord wouldn't reveal himself to that burning bush came. That's what he had to see. But he was taking up a social cause. He was a social justice warrior in this, looking out for his oppressed people and all these things. But the Lord's going to show us Christ in this. Even in man's ignorance, he rules and he reigns. And we're dumb. We're real dumb. And he must. That's what has to happen. But 40 years he was on this earth and he was brought up. And everything we think would be great and good. He had it made. And then this takes place, what we're going to read in this chapter. And there's 40 years of him being out in a, a rebellious land, a cursed land. And then there's 40 years of him leading the Lord's people, delivering them. And, and a, a wise old preacher once said, Moses had to be taught he could not lead before the Lord would use him to lead people. Moses had to be taught that he couldn't preach, and then the Lord used him to preach. There's a whole lot of people that's eager to preach. They want to stand up and speak on behalf of God or type things or write things or record things or whatever. I don't know, pick your medium. And it ain't until the Lord shows them they can't do it, that's when he's going to use them. I, I promise. I promise. I've experienced to take my word for it. It says there, I hope we can see Christ as a picture. So I titled this the double deliverer. The Lord's going to deliver his people, and then he's going to deliver his bride. That's what happens to us. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That was when he said he's going to do it, it was done. And, and that cross physically took place a long time before I physically came on the scene. I'm not preaching to people in 100 years BC. I'm not preaching to people in the 1700s. I'm preaching to you, <laughs> us right now, right? A message for the hour, a message for the day. This is for us. And he has delivered us, and he shall deliver his people. This is double deliverance here in this, this small text. Here in verse 11, it says, It came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, when his time came. There was a time that he wasn't to do these things, and there's a time that he was to do these things. And that time was come. He was grown. That he went out unto his brethren and looked on their burdens. He went out to his brethren and he looked on, his bur on their burdens. Now, what were they doing with their burdens? Did they, if he knew them, they might have known him. They said, Moses one of us, didn't he? If, he? if he had enough sense to know he was a Hebrew, the Hebrews had enough sense to know he was too. <laughs> Did they cast their birth and say, well, our, one of our kinfolk is second in command. He's Pharaoh's son. He's the next in line for the throne. Let's go to him. We sang that song, cast your burden to the Lord, take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Where we get that from? Where'd that hymn writer get that? David wrote in Psalm 55, cast thy burden. That means heave it, roll it like a big old stone. Cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. 
But these brethren didn't cast their burden on Moses, did they? They didn't have enough sense to. You see the picture there? We try to carry our burdens, and we ain't got enough sense to take it to the Lord. And I really struggle. I can do that. I can complain all day long. Wait, hide and watch and watch my pity party. It's a doozy. Uh, but I can't leave it there. That's trouble, isn't it? What if we don't? Like these Hebrew children, they didn't. They didn't cry out for help. What if we don't? The Lord said in Leviticus 26, he said, I will for their sakes remember the covenant of their ancestors. I'll remember. He says in Psalm 106, he said, I'll remember for them. Ain't that good news? Or do we have our Bible verses real sorted out in our minds? Lord may take our minds from us. He'll remember for you. Ain't that good news? If you ain't got much of a mind, it is. Why would the Lord do that? Why would Moses look on his brethren and have pity? He had it made. <laughs> he, was, he was in his castle. Had no troubles. Great land. It's in Psalm 103, Like a father pitieth his children, the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, and he remembereth that we're dust. That's good too, isn't it? If we are dust, if we have a pitiful frame... <laughs> For him to pity. He remembers his children. End of verse 11 says, And he spied an Egyptian, smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. Here's Moses, a picture of Christ, looking on his brethren. He looked on their burdens, on us. And he sees that there's an Egyptian. There's one that's not related to us, smiting them. One of his brethren. His brethren. He's our elder brother, isn't he? He's the firstborn among many brethren. He's the elect. People talk about elect. You know, the Lord didn't look down through time and just see me or see you and say, well, that one's just so precious, I'm going to pick that one. Christ is the elect. If we are, election's unto salvation. That's because it's through Christ, the elect. The Lord picked his son first, the firstborn, and us in him. We're put in, we're, the heathens, his inheritance. Not the good people, not the religious folks, not the ones that's memorized all their stuff and they got their doctrine squared away. Heathen, heathen is his inheritance in him, in him. But he's our elder brother, and he's going to have to be our defender. We can't fight some of our battles, and he fights some the other ones. There's two brothers, they're fighters in, in, in this nation, and real uh, professional fighters, real respected and known. And the one's younger than the other, obviously. And they asked that younger brother, who's kind of better than his older brother, they said, uh, did, you get, did you learn to fight in school when you got picked on a lot? He laughed and said, no, <laughs> not fighting school. They said, oh, I guess nobody would fight you because you're such a good fighter. And he went, what? No. He said, I had a brother. He said, I didn't fight till I was 20 years old. He fought for me. Nobody picked on me. My older brother was there. I know that's a tradition of the past, but I ain't allowed in schools no more. But we get the picture. Some of us remember that. This elder brother must fight for his brethren. Verse 12 says, And he looked this way and that way, because they were burdened, and they couldn't do it themselves. So somebody's going to have to do it for him. They look, he looked this way and that way, and he saw that there was no man. Somebody, These, these Hebrew brethren, these, these children of God, can't do this for themselves. Let me look that way. Well, nobody over there can do it. Let me look that way. Nobody over there can do it. He must be the man. And he slew the Egyptian, and did hide him in the same. We'll see the next hour of difference between men and man. And, and it's important then, the next hour, and it's important here. 
that, that Moses wasn't looking to see if there's any witnesses so he can get away with this. Is there any able? There was none there that was able. There's no man there. A man. Talk about manliness and bringing back masculinity. Wait till we meet the Lord. <laughs> you talk about a man. There was no man there. And he must do it. There's none able there. And out of the ones that was able, there's none willing. And there's none either way. He must be related, able, and willing. That's called a kinsman redeemer. And what did that kinsman redeemer do? He slew the Egyptian. He slew the enemy. He slew the one that was given the, putting the burdens on and hid him in the sand. It's out of sight. It's gone. It'll never be looked on again. It'll decompose, and you won't be able to tell the difference. Of it. It's gone. He was there to save his brethren. You know, we have an adversary. That's what this is picturing. A bunch of them, but one primarily. We have the law, the handwriting of ordinances against us. We can't keep the law. And if you think you can, you're a fool. And that's a kind way of putting it. What did Paul say, you foolish Galatians? And he asked, man, what's keep it? Ain't you heard the law? Go read it. You got to keep it all and agree with all of it. You don't even know what it all is. Is it 618 or 619 ordinances? Don't answer that. <laughs> even if you know, you got to agree with them. We got railings on our house and the medium well stakes. Mm-mm. We don't know that. We have that law against us. We have a sin nature against us. The Man has a will, and it's bound to his nature. You can't do nothing but what your nature is in you, your instincts, as we call it. We're born of Adam. We'll get to that next hour, too. Something happened in that garden. And if you get wrong on the fall, you're wrong on it all. Man wasn't poked in one eye. He's plumb blind. He wasn't wounded in one leg. He's plumb dead. Dead. They can't do nothing. Satan's against us, that great accuser of the brethren. We're no match for him. Fools go out and say, well, we're going to battle Satan today. You're going to lose. You go by yourself. He's been at this a lot longer than you have. You ain't going to win. And then the most wicked and the most deceitful enemy of all that's against us, ourselves. Ourselves. Other than those facts, because that's all external, isn't it? Oh, well, sin nature, that's an idea. That's a, that's a doctrine. Uh, Satan, well, that's somebody I ain't never come in contact with as far as I know. Might have been born of him. That's our father, but we don't think we know him. Uh, 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 the law, well, I can read it, but I really don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Ourselves is what the Lord must save us from. We, the Lord Jesus Christ must come to his people and slay us to give us life. Because, because, because we have physical life and physical air goes in and out of our lungs, we think we're spiritually alive. Do you remember when you hated God? When you, you, you despised him and you would not have this man reign over us? Or did you just kind of transform from a little bit of air into a better gospel? The Lord saves his people. I told you last week, my, my brother I just learned about, he said he was a preacher for a long time. He knew he preached with Donnie Bell and Bruce Crabtree back in the 70s. Knew him, knew him back then. They all lost. God saved all three of them. And he said, I was a false prophet. I didn't know God. Nobody I knew knew God. That's a man that's been worked in by God. He'll turn from his idols, whether that's people, friendships, fellowship, or whatever else. He'll turn from that and say, I was wrong and God's right. If we don't get that, we miss the boat. We miss the ark. That's what we, mean. we miss Christ if we don't get that. 
Christ must, must slay us to give us life. Paul said that. He, he lists all them things he was so good at and what he was born and what he's done. And he said, I was alive without the law once because I didn't know it. But when the commandment came, when the Lord showed me what this enemy was and what I am, sin revived and I died. That's Romans 7. What does he start Romans 8 with? There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Not in the right church, not underneath the right preacher, not in, in, in the right doctrine, in the right person, Christ, in the Savior. The unregenerate will not be happy about that. They will not rejoice. They will not, remember, remember when the birds sang louder and the trees, you just, they were just more beautiful than they've ever been and the sun just shone brighter and the clouds were more perfect. <laughs> Lord, it worked in you. Lord saved us. It's going to rain tomorrow. Great, we get to watch it. Wonderful. Lord sent a fire and burnt this whole county down. Good. Tis fire. Tis county. Remember those times? Children of God will be happy. But the spiritually dead, they're going to, they're going to have an issue with that. And it's not just that, that all mankind deserves to die and, and, and suffer an eternal death and damnation, hell and judgment. But it's because in saying that and that truth, that means that they are too. It's okay for other people to be sinners. Will you call me a sinner? It's okay for other people to be blind. What them Pharisees say, those very well-educated people with doctors of divinity. You, you say them, we're blind, and the Lord said, if you're blind, you'd be alive. <laughs> if that was the case, your sin would be forgiven. Isn't it? Well, look at verse 13. Remember, Moses came, saw his brethren, he slew the Egyptian. He put it away. Verse 13 says, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together. Two of these Hebrews, two of his brethren, was fighting together. How could that be? This is a picture of God's spiritual children. I want to ask you, you think about this. How could that be? It's so. How could a man and a wife that both profess to believe God ever disagree how could we now one said over the other in a, in a home right and i always tell you it's in a home and a local assembly throughout time <laughs> how could that be it's so we have a new nature but it's housed it indwells in this old mostly body right that's the ratio that's so in a in a local assembly of god how could it be that we could have disagreements one to another if Christ died for you and he died for me, how could that be? How could there be contention? What well, scriptures say? Only by pride. Only by self-righteousness is what it is. And, and the church is, the other local assemblies, they believe Christ is all, and we do. How could we not get along with them? Well, throughout time. But it's so, isn't it? When he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did wrong, one of them punched the other one, so he asked the puncher, Wherefore smitest thy fellow? Why are you smiting him? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? Who, who made you the deliverer and the ruler and the judge? Hmm. But you're going to do all this? So now that you're the boss, now that they're getting a feel of it, right? They know who he was. You going to kill me? Is that what you're saying? You're saying I'm dead, I'm blind, I deserve eternal damnation? You know, mankind gets so mad about Esau. God said, I, 
Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And they will twist that and wordsmith around it and play politician. And so, well, he loved Esau less. No, he did not. It ain't the problem because, do you know Esau? Did y'all go to high school together? You don't know him. It ain't got nothing to do with Esau. That's us. If he kill Esau, that means I got it coming. And that's the problem. That's the rub. Isn't it? They said, you're a ruler, you're the judge, you're, you're the deliverer of us. Who made you king? Let me tell you the answer. God did. <laughs> Physically, in this man Moses, before time, he purposed Moses to be there to deliver his people. He told Abraham 430 years ago, didn't he? He said, I'm going to deliver you out of there. And from his mother's belly, just like all his other prophets, he said, that's as far back as we can have a history of, right? And he said, while you was in the womb, I was going to use you as a prophet. Moses was both naturally and supernaturally over them. And therefore, they were his people, but he was adopted by, the, by Pharaoh, possibly in line for the throne. And the, the Lord preserved them, and he sent Moses to deliver them. That's his name, to draw out, wasn't it? And they didn't like him. They didn't like him. The Lord came to his own, his own received him not. We didn't have nothing to remember. You can't, that's like the baptism under a false gospel. How can you profess somebody you never met, you never heard of, that you don't know? <laughs> well, I did it back then. No, you didn't. The Lord said he sent that servant, gave it parable in Luke 19. He said, but his citizens hated him. Whose citizens? The Lord's citizens. There he is. And sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. Not we won't have any men that you sent. Hold on to next hour. We'll see. This man. We won't have this man right over. He was despised and rejected of men, of his people. Has that happened to you? I remember when I despised and I rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I love factual doctrine and fought everybody tooth and toenail with it. But I didn't know him. I didn't know him. And I was fighting against him. I was fighting for me. I remember when I used to be that way. And you know what? I saw that same fellow in the mirror this morning. Ain't nothing changed. I've seen him. But I'm not some new bright shiny penny that's cleaned up the outside. Now there's a change that's took place. I have a reason to smile, not just crack jokes. I got a reason to smile, be happy, be joyful. But I often see how I still do reject him. I know what that word says. I know better, honey. Why don't I do better? It crushes me. Where does that leave me? But God. It doesn't lead me to my faithfulness or some man's faithfulness or some creed's faithfulness. It leads me to a Christ that's faithful. That's my only hope. In the verse 14, this is Moses was a physical man, okay? There's one perfect picture of Christ in this earth, and he walked this earth, and he hung on a cross. So we can learn a lot of different aspects from this one diamond, can't we? In the verse 14, it says, And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Christ was not afraid as he walked this earth and feared man and what a king could do to him. He, because of that, he's the only one that can speak to the hearts of people, fear not, because he never feared. But there was a time that he walked through people, 
because his hour was not yet come. Verse 15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. You know, Pharaoh didn't ask any questions. Not even his whole life, raising his house, it's like his grandson, isn't it? He didn't hear out what Moses had to say. He just killed him. Kill him. And I thought of poor Nicodemus. Remember when the Lord came to him in John 3 and then later on in John 7, before he ends up anointing the Lord's body, they brought charges against him. And he's probably saying, he, and he said, Doth our law judge a man before it hear him and know what he doeth? That's what the law says. It's got to hear him out. Uh, heathens' laws have those things. You can have a day in court, can't you? What did the Pharisees say to Nicodemus? They answered him and said, Art thou also of Galilee? You search and look out. Go go home and read your Bible. There ain't no prophet come out of Galilee. It sounds good, and that's flat wrong. <laughs> Jonah come out of Galilee. And they said, the Lord said, that's the only prophet you're going to get. The only sign you're going to get. <clears throat> but Moses, he fled to Midian, didn't he? The Lord passed through those multitudes. They tried to lay hands on him. They tried to stone him. They tried to throw him off the hills. And he walked right through them because his time was not yet come. And then when that hour was come, when Judas came and was so sweet and friendly and kissed him on the cheek, didn't he? the Lord said, I am, and they all fell back. And he said, who'd you come to get? They asked again like fools. He said, I am, and laid them clean out. That was his hour. He was allowed to be taken. Moses is going to run away right now, but it won't be long. He was going to go back to Pharaoh that he doesn't even know. And he was going to look him dead in the eye and say, the Lord said, let my people go. That season will come. You know, there's, there's scripture that says that we don't make haste, and there's scripture that say we do make haste. Which is it? Well, tell me what day it is. <laughs> Lord, that day willed for us not to make haste, and there might be a day he's, he's pleased to, for us to make haste, didn't but Midian, Midian was a son of Abraham. That's one of his children. But the name means, this land of Midian, means brawling, contention. There were heathen idolaters there. This barren wasteland. And Moses dwelt there for a long time. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ came down to this corrupt land and dwelt here as a man to do something. To do something. He wasn't on vacation. He came to do something. Didn't he? Love does something. Grace does something. Doesn't it? it says there he sat down by a well. There's a lot of wells in Scripture. and A lot happens by a well throughout the Scriptures. What's that picture to us? We know Moses is a picture of Christ. This is a picture. He's, he's already slew the enemy before we even knew anything about him. And now he's come to this wicked land where I am because I'm a bride. Come to this wicked land where I am, and he sat down by a well. That's a picture of the local assembly of God's saints. His light on a hill. We're wells. He said, you can go to the wells and drink of water. That's more than one. You can go to this one, and there's one up in rescue, and you can drive that way 15 hours, <laughs> long way. Get to, get to Texas. There's a couple there in Texas that we know of. Hopefully there's more, but I know of a few wells. That's where the well is. That's where Christ meets with his people. And, and that's where the gospel's preached. And that good news ain't just cherries and balloons and birthday cake. That's all flesh is grass, behold your God. Because that's where the Spirit's going to come to his people. And that it's going to convict of sin. That's needed. Convict of righteousness. That's Christ. And convict of judgment. That he's already put away that enemy. 
It's gone. You can't find it. Go dig in the sand if you want to. You ain't going to find it. You see that? Through the preaching of this water of life, our king. Hagar was down by a well, wasn't she? That, that, that bottle she had of water, it failed. And she had Ishmael with her, and she just laid down. She crawled underneath the bus ready to die. The Lord came and spoke to her and said, what's wrong with you? And you know what happened? He opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. Well, she was right there next to well, didn't even know it. I sat underneath one of the best preachers that I'll say that this nation's ever seen uh, for 17 years of my life. I was right next to a well and didn't even know it. And then one day through that preacher, there's water. You know what? I'm thirsty. <laughs> I wasn't thirsty before. Had a lot of stuff up here, but I wasn't thirsty in the heart. Where's that going to take place? By the well. It ain't going to take place in the desert. It ain't going to take place in airplanes. It ain't going to take place over there. It ain't going to take place. And I ain't common here, but it's common where I'm from. It ain't going to take place in a deer stand or a bass boat or in your living room. It's going to take place in the well. Now, it might best be two of us or three of us if he's gathered us there, but it's going to take place in his appointed place and time. That's what it's going to do. That Samaritan woman came to a well, didn't she? He told her everything she'd ever done. And he said, if you, if you were thirsty, you'd ask me. He was already there waiting on her. Well, Moses was there waiting on her. He was sitting down by a well. Verse 16 says, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Everything needs water, don't it? Plants, animals, these people. And the shepherds came down, other shepherds, false shepherds, and drove them away. So don't you do that. Don't you listen to that. But Moses stood up and helped them and water their flock. He defended them. He took care of them. He watered their flock. They didn't even have to do it. There's seven of them. I thought of those seven daughters in Isaiah 4. So there'd be seven women take hold of one man. Saying, we'll eat our own bread and we'll wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by thy name to get rid of our reproaches. Like we don't, we don't want to wear what you wear. We don't want to eat what you have us eat. We want to have it our way like Burger King, but no, we still, want, we still want a good name. We still want everything to be okay. All seven wanted privilege there in Isaiah 4, didn't they? They wanted the benefits. There's a good, good article in that bulletin. <laughs> they wanted the benefits of a Savior, but only one was given to be a bride. Did you know that? He was the shepherd. That was what was despised in Egypt. They despise shepherds. Verse 18, And when they came to Ruel, their father, he said, How is it that you come so soon today? You're supposed to go water the sheep. How come you're back so fast? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. It wasn't just enough for us. He drew it all. He drew it all. We were in the hands of bad shepherds. And the shepherd came and watered everybody. <laughs> That's ours. You see that? Lord told that woman at Samaria, said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that saith thee, give me the drink, you would ask him, and he'd have given you living water. He'd have given you living water. Ain't a man like this man, is there? And he's enough. He's enough. That's what Jacob said when Joseph sent the wagons to him. And he heard that, and he, he, he heard these things, and he said, that's enough. Not that, not that well, that'll, that'll do. That ain't the context. That, he's all. I want 
nothing else. I got everything I need. It's him. It's him. Verse 20 says, and he said to his daughters, where is he? Why is it that you've left the man? You ever ask that question? I ask that question about myself. Why don't I believe God? Why do I leave him? What do you got going on more important than, than being with him? Hmm? Can you, can you give me a list? Well, no, I got some big things going on. I got some family coming to town. So what? We need him. You see the wisdom of these seven daughters? He's about to give one of his daughters to be a bride to this very good shepherd, this very good Egyptian. You see that? Why is it you've left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Don't let this man go. I've met some some young ladies. Some profess to be believers, some don't. But uh, looking for a man. If you find a good one, get a hold of him. And if, if you're a believing woman, you find a believing man and latch on to that fellow, and you stick with him, trusting God who sent him to you. And don't let him go. Don't let him go. That's just practical. That'd be good. Scripture's clear on that. But if we're a bride that can't take care of ourselves and can't defend ourselves and, and don't remember nothing and we can't water our own flocks, cling to Christ as great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. Cling to him. Run to him and don't let him go. Don't let him go. Or die first. It's one or the other. It's one. We're, we're either burdens or we're bond servants. Do you understand that? We're, we're either children of God or we're dead. There ain't no halfway. And we are justified by death. Our old flesh says somebody died. And well, they're in a better place now. Says who? God's the one that makes that determination. Isn't it? They hated God their whole life or they lived in false religion or they looked on their own selves their whole life and they died and they made, the, they made eternity. Were they justified just because they died? No, they're rebels against God all the way to death. But we were justified in the death of him. Now we have life. You see the difference there? Lay a hold of him. Verse 21, And Moses was, was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. The father gave a daughter, a bride, to the chief shepherd. You see that? There was seven that wanted some good things. I like water, and I don't like carrying water. How about you carry it for me? You're big and strong. That sure benefit me, but one was given. One was chosen, and one was given. A remnant was given. That's with being mad about everything. Those saying you'll be reigning over us, you're going to kill us too. You know, when, when we find, if the Lord reveals himself to us, and he reveals that, that, that we all ought to die, but he saved a remnant, that's shocking to a person. When you know that all that religion you was playing your whole life was false and most everybody on earth hates God and is, is trying to make themselves look good, it's all self-righteousness, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? The people you work with, the people you know, the people you love, your family, your children, your grandchildren, whatever it may be, outside of him, it's death. We see the value of our own souls. What are we going to do now? We're going to compel them. We're going to plead to them, ain't we? It's a lost cause. I'm going to keep saying it. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. I would that all men be saved. Seven desired to lay hold of him, but one was given by the Father. Verse 22, and she bare him a son. She was fruitful. 
did he he marry her and then she just stayed in a cave somewhere else her whole life or she lived out in a retirement community by the beach? No, they did something and life was there. That's how the Lord's going to have his children. She bare him a son and called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. Gershom means refuge. And the Lord's people, we're all strangers in a strange land and we need refuge. And that refuge is Christ our refuge. He's our city of refuge. And we're all given his name. We're married to him. His, his brides are, not all brides, his brides are. We're reading Jeremiah, it says, In his days Judah shall be saved and Israel shall draw safely, and this is the name whereby he shall be called. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord our righteousness. That's Jehovah, the Lord our righteousness. That's his name. That's his name. It says in Jeremiah 33, In those days shall Judah be saved and Jerusalem shall draw safely, and this is the name wherewith she shall be called. His bride's going to have a name. The Lord our righteousness. you imagine that? That's your name. If he's come to you and you're thirsty and you were given to him by the Father and he's provided for you and it was, everything was taken care of before time and right now and to come and he's everything and you can't do nothing by yourself, that's your last name. We've been born, adopted, and drafted and everything else. Cut it however you want to. That's our last name. Well, we'll pick up our next week, Lord Will, and I went over. Let's pray together. Father, as you're pleased, send your spirit to us and give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. and See our Redeemer on every page. Lord, if it's just a glimpse of him, let us see that. If it's a smell, the slightest thing, reveal Christ to your people as you promised you will. Be with us and Keep us. We can't keep ourselves. Lord, thank you for this hour. Be with us next. Prepare us to hear the gospel. Prepare me to preach it. Prepare all of us to hear it. and Plant that seed in us. It's because of Christ we ask it. Amen. All right, then we'll take about 10 minutes. Meet back together. <laughs>